So glad you're with us with another edition of Faith Fire Media. I'm Frank Mickens, your host. Today, we're going to dive in deeper into this topic, entering God's presence. This is the power to change your life. You might recall a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus, God, his presence, his dwelling place is the center of the universe. It's the beginning of everything. We talked about what Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, that Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we start there with being in his kingdom, being in his throne room, being in his presence, everything else comes after that. So this is something we've got to get. And I'm going to show you through the scriptures how you can have an all encompassing. um, What's the word, Lord? Consuming fire relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're interested in some of that, stay with us right after the intro. We'll be right back. Frank Mickens here with you. And yes, it is another exciting edition of Faith Fire Media. Again, the topic today is entering God's presence. And I've been talking with my wife and she's been listening and and I'm going to do my best to truncate this message. And if we've got to delve into this over the next two, three, four weeks, that's fine. It's, It's a good thing to take our time with this. It's always a good thing to be patient and to slow down and walk in peace with Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Let me do a real a quick recap, and then we'll pick up from where we left off last week. So last week we talked about we talked about how the Lord wants you to commune with Him. We talked about Gideon and how he made a meal with Jesus, and Jesus waited for him to make this meal, and then he uh, instead of eating the meal. He set fire to it as an offering, okay? And we talked about Moses and how Moses desired to be with the Lord. He wanted to see his glory. We talked about in Exodus 24, how the elders and Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai and dined with God. It says that God did not consume them, despite the fact that they were in such close proximity with Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Jesus. And that's Exodus 24, verse 9, if you want to look into that yourself. So we're going to pick up from there and we're going to look at the, the tabernacle and the pattern for worship that God instituted with Moses as Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights on the mountaintop, receiving the heart of God, receiving the heart of the Father, for his people, Israel, and how he wanted them to worship him. So to remind you, when Moses first went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, he said, let them go so they may worship. And I just want you to understand this truth. Everything that God has ever done in the history of humankind is for you to be in relationship with him. Everything he has done is to bring you to himself. Everything he has ever done is to bring you to himself. And so when he set Israel free from bondage, it's, it's the same for us. When he sets us free from sin, it's not just to go to heaven. Yes, that's part of it, because in heaven we get to see him and be in his presence for eternity. But even before that, he wants us to commune with him. And he wants more than you do to commune with you. 
This is really exciting stuff. Nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be intimidated by. It's truly the will of God for you to be his prize. Read Song of Solomon. I said this last week. It really will speak to you, not as a book about sexual intimacy, but if you read it from the the standpoint of the Lord talking to his bride and how he yearns for her, how he sees her as perfect, man, I tell you, it'll show you his heart for you and how he really wants to spend time with you and how you can begin to live this lifestyle where you're connecting with God throughout the day and how that will transform your mind, your behavior, the things that you want, the habits that you have, all of it will change. Things that you've never thought possible will begin to happen in his presence. He'll change your heart. He'll make his heart more like his. He'll make your heart more like his because you're being conformed more and more to the likeness of his son. As we learn in the book of Romans, that is the the perfect will of God so that you look more and more like Jesus the longer and longer you live. Amen. Okay. So let's read this foundational truth because some folks might say, okay, Frank, I've never heard of any of this. This is not familiar to me. I just want to read something foundational so that we can just kind of lay some cement in the foundation. And it is this, it's out of Proverbs chapter 25, verse two. These are the words of the Bible. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. So God reserves the right, the privilege, and due to who he is, it's part of his nature to conceal things. Not everything is black and white. Like when you read the Bible, everything is not just right there on the surface. Remember, Jesus would, would speak in parables and he would say to his disciples, it's been given to you to know the what? Mysteries of the kingdom of God. And so there's revelation Holy Spirit wants to bring into your life that people who are not in relationship with Jesus won't receive. He calls you friend. And you tell your friends things you won't tell people who are not your friends because they won't treat it right. They won't treat your treasure with respect because they're not a relationship. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. So it says it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. In the New King James, it says it is the glory of God to conceal a thing and it is the glory of kings to search it out. And so he gives us glory to search out the mysteries of the kingdom of God. I really wanted you to hear me say this so that you can have some peace about what we're going to delve into today, which is symbolic, it's metaphorical, but it's based on scripture. And I'm going to show you so that you can begin to navigate your world through this rubric, which is everything God is doing is for you to be involved with him and his heart. The word became flesh. Why? Because God wanted you to see him. Not just because Jesus had to die on a cross. He spent 33 years, the scholars say, on this earth. He could have done a whole lot and just said, I'm going to leave when I'm 21. But he wanted to spend more time. Even when Jesus went uh, and was risen from the grave, he spent 40 days as the uh, resurrected Christ, spending time with his disciples. He loves to spend time with you. Remember, he ate fish on the beach with Peter, James, John, and some of the disciples who had gone back fishing after the resurrection, he, he dined with them. And that's his desire for you each and every day. This is not like a mental ascent. This is not religion. This is relationship. Amen. Okay. Now that we know that it is the glory of God to conceal a thing and it is the glory of kings to search out a matter. The Bible says Jesus is the king of kings. The Bible says that he wanted uh, um, a nation of priests 
right? But the Bible also says that we are a, a royal priesthood, so we are kings, all right? So it's speaking of you. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm going to read this to you so that we can get some more foundational understanding before we delve into the pattern of the tabernacle and the temple and how that shows us not just the Father's heart for us in relationship, but how he has made a way for us to be in relationship with him and how we can use that to break ourselves out of this box of what worship looks like. Okay, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And much of this chapter is spent where Paul is talking about fornication, sexual immorality, and how that is an issue. And that metaphorically speaking is talking about idols, things that we lust for, things that we desire more than God stand in between us receiving the blessings, the best that God has for us. So within that context, he says, understand that he's talking to people about idol worship. He says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. I'm going to read this in the New King James. He says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So foundationally, we see here, Paul is teaching that our bodies are a temple. And it's not just about your physical temple. You know, people like to use that when it comes to working out and getting stronger, losing weight. That's fine. But he's talking about spiritually that you are a house of prayer, that you are a dwelling place for God, that you as a believer have become someone the Lord has chosen to put his name in, that he is in you and he wants to rule there. Okay, so so then it behooves us to understand what the temple is like. If we are a temple, then we should study what the temple is like so we know who we are. Wow, you didn't know that you were more than just a believer. You didn't know that you were more than just a person that should read the Bible and know the Bible. You didn't know that you were more than just a person that should tell people about the saving grace of Jesus, that you actually should be in such relationship that you are responsible for stewarding God's presence within you and how that should rule and reign everything about your day, everything about your relationships with people, everything about your opinions. Oops, by the way, We shouldn't have any because he's the king. And that's what he established in the temple. God made it plain. Everything centers around me. The nation of Israel camped around the temple. They camped around the tabernacle in the wilderness. Right. And the temple was on a mountain. Right. The mountain of David. And it was the centerpiece of Jerusalem. And so our lives should be centered on Holy Spirit inside of us and what Holy Spirit is doing. All right. So we've established that God conceals things, but he he gives us the right and the um, the access to search them out as people who have been given the right to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We've also laid the groundwork that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The living God is in us. And that means something. So now let's go to part number three, and then we're going to wrap up for today. We're going to make this a short teaching so you can chew on this, pray on this, allow the Lord to even speak to you into your own life as to how this looks and how he wants this to develop in your life. 
that. But the temple, and we talked about this, the temple and the tabernacle, all uh, both of them were three-part dwelling places. You had the outer court, the inner court, and the innermost court. We talked about this last week. And so you first had to be a member of the, the nation of Israel to even enter. So you've got to be a believer to enter into worship with God. Okay. You've got to believe the Bible says you cannot have faith in God if you don't believe that he is right. You've got to have some faith. So then to enter even into the outer court, you had to be a believer. And then you can go into the inner court and then the innermost court. So in the outer court, we talked last week about this. This is where the sacrifices were made on a daily basis. People would bring sacrifices. The priest had sacrifices that they had to make. Even if no one showed up, there were required sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. Okay, and there was a cleansing area. The laver was where they would wash their hands because everything they did was holy and had to be set apart. It had to be different, had to be unique. It had to be honorable to God. And so they had to cleanse themselves as dirty, sinful humans. Right. In the presence of God, in his tabernacle, in his dwelling place, they had to do these things. And they were metaphorical because he could have snuffed them out any time just by their sin. But he was teaching them something. He was teaching them his principles that he is a holy God. And also, um, the priest every day would go into the holy place or the inner court and offer a sacrifice of incense. They would go in and they would make sure there was oil for the lampstand in the morning and at twilight. They would also change the showbread, 12 loaves of bread that represented the bread of life, Jesus Christ. There were 12 loaves of bread and he uh, establishes his kingdom. 12 is the number of the kingdom of God. And I don't have time to go into all of that. But the point is that in the inner court, we're now getting into the closeness and the intimacy with the Lord. But then beyond that, because we're heading toward the presence of God when we're in the inner court, but in the fullness of the presence of God, that was where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that was the most holy place. So, yeah, the most holy place that tells you that there are levels of worship. You can be in a holy place in worship, but you can be in a most holy place in worship. So there's levels of worship. And when you're on the outer court, it's not called a holy place. It's just called the outer court. And then there's the holy place and the most holy place or the inner court and the most inner court. So I just need you to, to start to see that in your mind. It'd be good for you. There are uh, resources. You can look it up online. There are resources where you can actually see what the tabernacle looked like, what the temple looked like, and how there was this progressive closeness to God. And so what are you getting at, Frank? What are you talking about? Well, see your your body as that three-part dwelling place. So the outer court represents your physical body. The inner court represents your soul, which is your mind, your intellect, your thoughts, your emotions, your passions, right? Your desires, things you can't see, but you know they're there. And then the innermost court where the Ark of the Covenant is, that represents your spirit, your God-given spirit. When God breathed the Ruach, which is the Hebrew word for spirit, the breath, into Adam, he was giving him his essence, a part of himself, the spirit. 
right? Because God is a spirit and we must worship him in spirit and in truth, right? So so that's really our end game is to worship him in spirit, not in flesh, not in our soul, but in spirit. So Frank, you mean to tell me I can worship God in the flesh? Yes, you can totally worship God in the flesh. That's when you're just going through the motions and doing things. Oh, I read my Bible every day at 6 a.m. Okay, that's worship, but it's just traditional, you're doing it because you think you have to to atone for being a human being who's unholy by nature. OK, that's what the sacrifices were. They were symbolic of how much sin the people had endured and how there's work that comes from sin. You've got to you've got to have consequences for that. Right. There's a weight of that. And Jesus, we know, took all of that weight away. So we don't have to worship him in the flesh. We don't have to have sacrifices. That's why we don't have a temple right now in Jerusalem where sacrifices are being taken because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, right? He instituted the New Testament in his blood. So we don't have to do all that stuff. So what are you getting at, Frank? Keep going, Frank. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to end here and give you something to pray into because I want to make this a 20 minute teaching. So you're a three part person. You're physical. You've got a soul and you've got a spirit. And so the goal of worship is to get out of a posture where I'm worshiping God in the flesh, even get out of a posture when I'm worshiping God from my soul. So you might wonder, what does that look like? Well, that's emotional. That's and it's not bad. It's where you're saying, I need you, God. So I've gotten beyond just doing things. And now I'm saying I want intimacy, but maybe not intimacy. I'm not looking for intimacy. I'm looking for what you have. I'm looking for what you have. I'm looking for your blessings. I need healing, Lord, or I need a husband, God, or I need peace of mind, all of those kinds of things. That's that's soulish. Those are your desires, your passions, your emotions. Lord, I need peace. I'm just disturbed. And, and these are good things, you know, to go to God about. If you know that you're depressed or you know that you're angry about something, something just happened, you can go to the Lord and he wants you to come into that place with him where you're not just trying to deal with it. By doing things in the flesh, you know, and you're doing it by coming to him and, and worshiping him in your soul, giving him your, your emotions. But he wants you to get beyond that. He wants you to worship you, worship him in spirit from your spirit. Now, this is something that is not hard to describe, but it is hard to describe. And I'll do my best. And then we're going to end here. And I want you to come back next week. When I worship God in my spirit, I'm no longer saying I'm doing things for you, God. I'm no longer saying I want something from you, God. I'm taking I at it out of it and I'm saying, show me your show me yourself, God. Show me your glory. I don't want what you have. Right. I don't want what you can do for me. Salvation. I want your character. I want your presence. I want you. I want to just be with you. So the Ark of the Covenant was in the innermost court and it represented the mercy seat, the very presence of God. And we'll delve into more of the symbolism in the temple and the tabernacle next week. But I'll tell you this, in order to get to the innermost court, you have to walk between the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ and you have to walk through Jesus to get to the father. 
Jesus on the cross got us to the Father. We'll talk about this next week. But to worship him in spirit requires that you have faith in Jesus Christ. It also requires that you have revelation of the cross and what that means, how it showed his unfailing love for you. It's not supposed to make you feel guilty. It's supposed to make you feel loved. Knowing what Jesus did on the cross, seeing him on the, on the cross should show you just the desire he has to pull you through your flesh, through your soul and into his spirit, into most intimate relationship. And so I invite you to give your heart to Lord, to the Lord. If you want a relationship like that, if you want peace, joy, love, long suffering, patience, if you want faith, all of it's in his presence. It comes from him. It comes from him being with him, knowing him, being known by him. And so you could just pray, Lord, I need a savior. But I, more than that, I want a friend in you. I want you to be my friend. I want to come to you and I want you to come into my life. And I put my faith in you, Jesus Christ. Amen. If that's you, listen, you need to show your faith, get baptized, go to church and get taught, but also Delve into this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Truly, truly, he wants you to. I want to speak more, but I'm keeping it short so we can have these bite-sized pieces of time together. And so we'll see you here next week with Entering God's Presence Part 3. Until then, I pray the blessings of God over you. May his grace be abundant in your life until we see each other again. Bye-bye.